This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 62. Today on our show, broadcast legend Jim Scott. Now, in 1968, you could go door to door and people would be home. I would do the whole street and I'd, I'd meet everybody and I'd say, tomorrow morning, please listen to me on 1360 WSAI and uh, I'll talk about being here. And, and, and I would give them little trinkets, a little. And I did that uh, for a couple of years. Not only did Jim Scott start the day for generations of tri-staters, he was also a part owner of Cincinnati's first professional outdoor soccer team, the Cincinnati Comets, who played in the American Soccer League way back in the mid-1970s. He was also commissioner of that league for a short time. How about that? So be sure to listen for the promo code at the end of the episode, of course. As always, you can use that to save 20% on your next Cincy shirts or oldschoolshirts.com order. Now let's talk to Jim Scott. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Is there any cream around at all? Or anything like that? Uh, if, if not, I'll just change my life and go. Might have gone to the well once too often. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We need uh, our whole Starbucks setup here. This is probably better for your voice anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I switched to drinking black like a grown-up, so... I didn't yeah. You know, when I was when I was really young and first in radio, uh, and I was drinking coffee, I remember I used cream and sugar. And one morning, I mean, this was early on, one morning I had this enlightened thought, I don't have a weight problem now, but if someday I do... It'd be hard to give up sugar, I bet. What do you so, want to know about it? So I, so I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so I quit. I see you don't a day. So, uh, so I quit using sugar that day, and uh, and looks like today. Let me write it down. It's the day, day that I quit using cream. We, nice. We'll make a note for when we do yep. round two. That we'll make sure to have cream here for you. Oh, I'm already. Up. I'm, I've yeah. been I've been reopt. Oh, this Absolutely. is cool. Um, well, maybe I'll just start. Uh, yeah, we already have. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see. First of all, I'd like to complain about something that happened to me <laughs> at four o'clock this morning. That's happened to me like maybe four times. There's a lot of fours here, and and I don't quite understand why I haven't learned. So uh, I'm watching Virginia and Texas Tech. And uh, it's halftime. It's an exciting game, and I'm 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 rooting for Texas Tech. But it's a little after ten, and ever since I quit radio and committed myself to really trying to get eight hours sleep, my body knows it. And so a little after ten, I just get tired. So uh, I said, "Well, I'm recording it, so I'll catch it." The real if this if this is a mystery, the the real clue is when I decided to record it, I didn't go. You know, I, I didn't pick it from the guide. I didn't click it. I didn't. <laughs> All I did was push the red button, which is so easy. It starts recording whatever you're recording. Yeah. Problem was, 
So there I am, couldn't really sleep that well, and I get up and I'm watching the game, and this is cool. I'm just, I can remember at one point just saying, this is cool. I'm like a little kid here sitting on the couch all by myself, four o'clock in the morning watching a basketball game. This is really good. And then all of a sudden it goes black. Because when you just push that button, uh, it just goes to that little spot where the game should end. But as I learned later on, I went to overtime, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but this keeps happening to me. Now, it's not the end of the world. It, it felt that way the first time, but now I know, well, I got most of it. You, you can always find what happened and maybe even get to watch the end of it. But it's like, I really would have liked it if I had watched the whole thing. So yeah. it's sort of like saying, so next time, Jim. But I, but I know I won't do that. Yeah. But you know, um, so it's great about soccer. Two hours, boom, it's done. Yeah, I heard yeah. Mo Egger talk about that the other day. It's, he goes to the soccer game with his little girl, Crosley. Yep. Is he a sports freak or what? Yeah, right? it's, yeah. okay. or, or radio freak. Yeah, well, he's a yeah, exactly. freak in general. And the, yep. and the thing he likes about the soccer, like your cap you're wearing, is that he knows when he goes... I think he told his wife, he said, okay, we're going to go, and it's going to be a start at 3 o'clock, and I'm going to pull into my driveway at 5.35. Yeah. He pulled in at 5.36, so something was off. Yeah, but, but, something. But, he, but you know, uh, basketball, you never know. Now, I know on uh, DirecTV now. I don't hear any sympathy from the group here. <laughs> oh, no, I've done that. Well, I, feel for you. I just can't DVR sports. That's the end of the story. Well, yeah, time Sports is made to watch live. Oh, Usually. so now he's being critical. No, of yeah. I tape the Browns because the Dayton station shows the Browns game if the Bengals aren't playing at the same time. And if I can't watch, I'll record it. I know that extra time. I've learned that lesson. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw a funny Browns meme yesterday. It spoilers? said, uh, if you didn't like us when we lost by 30, don't try to like us when we lose by 10. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I thought this was a Cincinnati interview. It is. I mean, I worked on the big one, which goes beyond the city limits, but still. Can we talk about that, too? What? As opposed to the Cleveland Browns? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He will always shoehorn. They are cool. I'll watch it. He'll always shoehorn any Cleveland reference he can and any British lingo he can. That's that's his thing. That's my MO. One of the things that uh, when I was driving around... uh, when I was starting out doing stand-up and I was doing a lot mm-hmm. of driving to all my gigs, mm-hmm. I was shocked one day. I was in, I want to say Virginia or somewhere, mm-hmm. and I was just trying to find any station. And I found 700 when I was in Virginia. Mm-hmm. How, like, that blew my mind. I remember being in the car and going, how am I picking up this station this far away? You want me to explain it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, Sky I mean, and ground waves. I, feel, yeah, I mean, lizard. that's not normal, right? I mean, sure it is. I mean, didn't it go to Germany at one point? Well, it's not normal for a city the size of ours to have a station that broadcasts out there. Sure, it is. Know, every city is, has that one. radio station, 700 WLW, in a lot of ways, is typifies something that I've noticed over the years about Cincinnati. I truly think that Cincinnati is bigger than Cincinnati. In so many, there's so many way, in so many ways. Now, there's a lot of people in Cincinnati have an inferiority complex when they feel like they're ignored and they feel like they're flyover and stuff like that. And, you know, the other baseball teams get a bigger budget. And, you know, the Reds have lost how many in a row. But, 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 and then everything happens in Cincinnati. Even the number one national story about a week or so ago was this guy that thinks that, that's telling everybody he, he's, he was kidnapped seven years ago. 
you know, in the picture in the paper online shows him when he looks like he's 14, which I thought was bad reporting because what that was was uh, some imaging deal that projected what he would look like. So I just assume that's they took a picture of him. Then I see him and he just looks like somebody front row one of your shows, Josh. Yeah. I mean, oh, you know? I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you'll see him again. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, but so it seems like everything happens in Cincinnati. You know, God bless young plush. He was like a year or so ago. He dies. It's a national story. We had March shot, beat her to death. Oh, national yeah. story. Yeah. You know, we, Fiona. Yeah. 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 There, there's a lot of good things. Uh, yeah, but, but you're right. And yeah. in broadcasting, in broadcasting, there was Taft Broadcasting. There was Crosley. A lot of national broadcasting companies have been based in Cincinnati. Uh, scripts. Scripts, exactly. And they're still alive, but Scripps is great. Yeah. And, and uh, so if you go to the Voice of America Museum, you ever been up there? It's a pretty cool place. You know, you know yeah, where it is? Westchester. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. when you were a kid, you might have driven up I-75 or whatever yeah. and saw all these the radio towers. Tower. They're all yeah. gone. Yeah. They're all gone. But but the building, the, and Crosley built all this. Mr. Crosley, that was so important, all these different things. He's the one that, that came up with the money to really help him. And, uh, and in there, in this museum, which is pretty cool, there's this one wall and maybe a couple of walls filled with photos of people who appeared on 700 WLW through the years. And early on, Crosley knew he had to invest in talent. So he had the big gun. I mean, they were the biggest radio. No, it wasn't a TV then. Biggest radio, and in some cases, movie stars in the country who appeared on a regular basis on his... You've heard about Andy Williams, Rosemary Clooney, and all that. ton of them. Bob Hope? Oh, yeah. Well, Bob Hope would come on a regular basis to town to get ribs. We all know that, yeah. you know. And, then, and to see... Uh, Bob Braun, and before that, of course, Ruth Lyons. So broadcasting-wise, Ruth Lyons was much bigger than Cincinnati. So always been, there's always been really good broadcast talent in this town. But Cincinnati also, I think, likes things to be world-class. They want to be considered world-class, but they love things to be world-class. That's why they go out and spend all this money on people that conduct the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. They'll yeah. be way above their head. You know what I mean? They have the beautiful music hall. Uh, and, they'll, and they're willing to keep it up to date and spend millions of dollars to refurbish it, you know? That's amazing. So, I never really so, thought about so that. So they, they really do. Look, look how excited they are about FC Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, they had a soccer team, but they, they wanted to be major soccer league. Yeah. Like, minor, minor sports around here don't make it. Yeah. But majors do. So Cincinnati's look. Who's, who pays attention to the Cyclones? As good as they are, who pays attention to the Cyclones? Just a small group of people that like, you know. But if we had an NHL team here, then that'd be a big deal. Yeah. So everything's got to be first class. Masonette. You said the Masonette restaurant. Yeah, it was it, like one of the only five star. It, well, it was five star. It had the longest string of being. That's what it was. I think it was like yeah. thirty years or so. You know, and. Um, so anyway, Cincinnati likes things to be first class. Now, are you from here originally? No, no, I would second class Binghamton, New York. No. Binghamton, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, that's no. right. I, I grew up in Binghamton. Yeah. I was born in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and then I grew up in Binghamton, New York, and that's where I went through high school, and that's why I started in radio when I was a senior in high school. I got a job working weekends, and then uh, I stayed there and went to college there, majored in political science, and then. I worked on the radio ever since I was 17. 
and then got a first really big job offer to go from Binghamton, New York to San Diego. That was in 1966. I'm 76. Graduate from high school in 1960. If I come back again, I'll tell you about my one month studying to be a priest. Ooh, well, we yeah. got time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, was, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but but uh, but but back then it, it threw me off going to college. Though nowadays you you start going to college almost any time you want uh, if you want to go online. But even schools start. You know, they'll, they'll have semesters. You can start in January or whatever. Back then, you had to start going in September. So that one month off, I came back. What am I going to do for a year, you know? So I had to wait to go to school. So I sold shoes at Sears, and I and I picked up a radio job again. So I was, I have been gainfully employed in broadcasting. Just never really been out, never ever really was out of a job well you went for political science but did you like i don't know i just i feel like if i didn't know you and i heard you talk i would just say you should be on the radio like you just have that voice is that something well, that you studied yeah, just, or were that pe- were you naturally drawn to that because people probably told you like you, you no i don't think I, I was interested in ham radio when i was a kid okay and i guess i was just i was like most kids listen to radio and i remember going to the radio station when i was 16 and saying you know you really ought to have a teenager on the radio. I mean, if you're going to play this kind of music, you have all these old guys. And so, and the guy <laughs> didn't pay much attention to me. But then a year later, I, I got a job there. Did you like the rock and roll? Was that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I like all kinds. I didn't, I don't, I actually like today's country music, but but I worked on WSAI, the, the iconic rock and roll radio station when they switched to country. And that left a bad taste in my mouth. That was, I didn't like that. So, um, but no, I like all sorts of music. In fact, whenever I go to a concert, I, I say to myself, geez, why have I not been to a concert for a while? You know, it's great. Yeah. We've got nice venues in town too for concerts, yeah. don't we? Wow. We really do. Wow. Again, and, it, and maybe, you know, like just from traveling a lot, it just feel, I feel like we're super lucky for a city our size to have as many options culturally that we do. Yeah, and, and a lot of different things. We're a tri-state. That's pretty cool. Here's another theory that I have that uh, not so much for Cincinnati, but people until the last 10 or 20 years that lived in northern Kentucky always felt ignored. They were, you know, the, the state capital was far away, and they're just way up here. Nobody paid attention to them. Same thing. I live at a farm in Indiana. People in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, I mean, you know, it, it's Indianapolis. They don't get any respect as far as a state goes. And they don't really get, I'm not saying they're pissed off in Indiana, but like if you pick up the newspaper, they have, if they have, even if the headline is tri-state, they'll tell you about Ohio and Kentucky. They ignore Indiana, you know? Uh, too bad. It's really nice there. I really like living. I live on a farm, and so... I'd lived it for 40 years, right across from the ski slope. So we've got a ski slope, you know? That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, we have great golf courses. If you like to play golf, it just can't beat it. And we've got the arts. Art museum is first class. First class college and professional oh. sports. Oh, yeah. And the colleges yeah. are great. I'll tell you, a little jewel is Mount St. Joseph University. It's now university as opposed to just a college. and. I took a course there a couple of years ago, and that was fun. You took a course? Just, uh, 
Okay, what did you I, take, just in case? Well, let me ask you something. Uh, do anybody in this room, there's three people here in case this is radio and you can't see, and I'm assuming all of you at least did a little bit of college, right? I did a little bit. No, Darren, <laughs> you, you, you got the degree in yeah. art, right? Academy Cincinnati, baby. Yeah, okay. And uh, PF? Four years, one and done. Did you get a degree? Yeah. And that's right, radio and television. Yep. Yep. War Falcons. So They're not here, me. the most famous person in the room. And so where did you go to yeah. school and how much? I went to Northern Kentucky University. Yep. I went for two years. Mm-hmm. I was very involved on campus. I was like, I, I soaked in as much college as I could while I was there, mm-hmm. uh, assuming I would be there until I graduated. I was going, I had a double major, double minor. I was a movie critic for the paper, worked at the rec center. I was in the Norse Leadership Society. And Something then, happened. He Something. Did, no. He just didn't go to class. After my sophomore year, I took a summer internship job with a computer. I was my main thing was I wanted to work. Excuse me with computers, and um, I took what was just going to be a summer job. Yeah. With a company that had a contract at Procter and Gamble to do all their upgrades for their computers to Windows 95. You could still be there. Ooh. I could still be there. But what happened? Well, I uh, I did the contractor route. It was time to go back in the fall for school, and they said, what if we pay for your school and oh. you go at night and continue to work for us during the day? And I thought, you know, it'll take me a little longer to graduate, but I'll have two, three years' experience in the field when I graduate. P.F., I'm just guessing. Here's what happened. Yeah. So he took the job and he gets all that walk around money. And at the end of the day, okay, he starts doing other things other than going to school. I reckon. Right? Am I right? That's I know part not of the story. Correct. Uh-huh. Oh, you went at night? I went at night. Huh. And um, it was a good story, wasn't it? It, was, it would have been a, yours would have been a better story. I went at night and then it just the timing of it was what ended up being a blessing, but at the time was very stressful. The, about three days before Christmas, yeah. they announced that they lost the contract with Procter & Gamble. Oh. So it was a time when the NKU was closed, oh. and I couldn't schedule any classes during the day to go full-time for the spring because right. I'd missed the deadline. Right. So my, my decision was that I was going to just find a job for the spring and go back full-time right. in the summer or right. the following fall. Never did. And in that time, I did my first open mic night. And I fell in love with doing stand-up. And I also got a letter from Procter & Gamble saying, we heard you did a good job for us as a contractor. We're looking to fill some positions full-time. Mm-hmm. So I applied for the job. To Basically, I applied for the job I was going to college to get, working in IT at Procter & Gamble. Right. Short and I got it. And they hired me. But I had started doing stand-up at night. Mm-hmm. So instead of continuing to go to school at night, I did stand-up at night. I worked for P&G during the day, and I did that for three and a half years until I found that I wanted to do stand-up full-time or at least give it a try. I think 10% of the people at P&G uh, that work during the day do stand-up at night. Can't you think of a <laughs> yeah. few people? I can think uh, of at least yeah. two. Yeah, right. Yeah. Three. Yeah. They've done two, really well. Two of them now yeah. are, are full-time. Yeah. Yeah. See? Well, along with me. Yeah. Hmm. So that was, you know, but I mean, I loved, I loved NKU when I was there. You know, it wasn't that I was just dying to, yeah. you know, get out of college or I was yeah. going there begrudgingly. I just, uh, it just ended up being not my path. So I go to, so here's what I did. I went to what was then called Harper College, H-A-R-P-U-R. It still exists as the 
undergrad liberal arts college within Binghamton University, okay? So I'm going there, majoring in political science. I thought maybe I wanted to go into law, you know, in politics. I was real interested in that. So so I go for two years, and I go full-time, and I work part-time on the radio because I really like radio. It hadn't occurred to me yet it would be my career my whole life, but I knew I liked it and did it. And so then, uh, and then between my sophomore and my junior year, I got married, and then, I don't know how this happened, immediately there's a baby on the way, and so uh, I, I had... Can, I can tell you how we, Yeah, we can probably explain it for a second. Okay, it was fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then I had to then switch and work full-time and uh, go to school part-time. So uh, I did that for three more years. So I went... I went to school for a total of five years, and it was January 1966, and uh, and I applied for a job. There was a guy at the radio station that said, hey, there's an opening for Boss Radio. Google Boss Radio. It's interesting. Uh, in San Diego. No, actually, it was in Los Angeles. KHJ, Los Angeles. Oh, the big so, one, yeah. Yeah. So he said, uh, you want to apply? It was like, what? Girls go in the bathroom together? I, I said, okay, let's both apply. So we both applied, and I get the phone call. And the guy said, uh, we'd like to have you join us here at Boss Radio. I said, at KHJ in Los Angeles? He said, well, that job's been filled. Do you know what a loss leader is? I don't think there ever was a job there. But the company was, this this company that had this format was just starting, and, and it was exploding all over the country. And so he said, but we have openings in Fresno and San Diego. And I said, I've never really heard of Fresno. This is before the movie. No, that was far ago. Excuse yeah. me. Okay. So uh, it's not that far off. I, yeah. yeah. So I said, I said, I'll take the San Diego job if you'll have me. He said, Okay, it's a mornings. I said, Oh, great. I like mornings. And so I did that. So I took my wife, and let's see how many babies did we have then? Two babies, and uh, and moved, and left school. Right in the middle of that, my last semester, I had 12 credit hours to go. To get the political science degree? Yeah. But but I really knew at this particular point, I really like radio. And so I, I really was I was not concerned about not getting my degree. And, uh, and if my mother was a little PO'd, it's nothing compared to how mad she was when I went to the seminary and came back. But that's for another story. Uh, okay. You keep so, teasing this story. That's what you're supposed to do. So, so, so off I go to San Diego. And, 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 and I'll tell you what. If, if someone is a radio aficionado, look up Bill Drake and Boss Radio. It revolutionized radio. Back then, Top 40 Radio uh, was pretty sloppy and fat and full of commercials and and uh, played the same music. Well, they didn't play the same music over and over again. They just played whatever they wanted they thought was cool. Bill Drake created Boss Radio. He created 2020. You hear 2020 sports and stuff like that? He created that. He put news at 20 after and sports at 40. And then at the top of the hour, there was a sweep, music sweep. And, and he just streamlined radio. And so I was one of those early, and they called them boss jocks. Okay. I can't remember how that it, it, it would be like. This is KHJ Los Angeles Boss Radio. I mean, it was yeah. It really it was, it was hot. Well, when you apply for that job, is what did you have to do? Send it a tape? Yeah. A well, demo? What, what, what you did back then, you oh, you send it an air check. Yeah. You record your show. Yeah. Yeah. PF knows this. You, re yep. you record your show. 
uh, and then you edit out the, you know, you put the intro of the song and then, and then you edit it out. And then so in a 10, 12 minute period of time at the most, you really get a feel for what this person sounds like. And so that's what I sent out and that's what got me the job. Then I went out there and um, it was yeah. fun. How long were you out there? I was there for six months. <laughs> oh, no, that was good. That was fine. Uh, but there was a reason. First of all, uh, I went to do the morning show. I w it turned out, first you do the all-night show to learn the format. You know, it's sort of like, other, you know, same thing. If you go to work for Kroger, you know, they make you work all night socking the shelves, figuring out where things are. Then they slide you into daytimes. So I did that for about three or four weeks, and I moved in. And then another guy, I never forget his name. His name was Jim Meeks. Jim Meeks comes in from Portland. He's doing the all-night show because he was promised a daytime shift. When his three weeks is up, the program director says, you know, cutting back a little bit on budgets. And uh, so we really don't have an opening. Uh, so you'll have to work the all-night show. And he said, no, I won't. And so he just left. And he went to Hartford, Connecticut or something. So then the program director came to me. And he said, Jim, he said, um, you know, I'm the program director. And uh, I can't really do the all-night shift. So... You're going to have to do the all-night shift. You have to go back. I I've been doing the mornings. You have to go back to the all-night shift, and then I'll take over and do the morning shift. And uh, and I thought, I don't want to do the all-night shift. But I, I stuck it out long enough to really understand the format, do a good job, and look around for another job. And I got one in York, Pennsylvania. And I remember when I went in and said, I'm going to leave, they said, oh, you're sounding great. We're going to send you to San Francisco. They already started having other cities. I said, no. So I left. I went to York, Pennsylvania, and then went to Buffalo, New York. And each, I, went, I was in York for a year and Buffalo a year. It was like playing Major League Baseball and being a good ball player. So they move you from one market to another. And this is all still within the same company, or no? You're out no, of, no, you're no, out different of companies. Okay. See, in broadcasting, if you're maybe if you're a sales executive, they might move managers. They don't move talent. If somebody's really good in a certain market, uh, and then you think, well, let's move him to Boston. Well, you don't know if he's going to work in Boston, but you know if you take him out of Cincinnati, you create a hole. Yeah. So you don't do that. Yeah, that makes so sense. If, so talent has to move himself. Okay. And so, and then I came to Cincinnati. From Buffalo? Yeah. And uh, that was 1968. And obviously so, you've been here ever since. No, I was here no? for four years. And then I went to, you know who Imus is? Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. knows Imus. in the morning? Yeah. Imus in the morning. On, on, yeah. on 66 WNBC. <laughs> yeah, Mr. What? I said, I'm a stern guy. Oh, okay. So. Uh, they're both jerks. Yeah, I, I, I like them both. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they're both very talented. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. Well, Imus has changed. Uh, I don't know if you would have liked them when I met him. So I was hired to offset Imus. The only time I did an afternoon show, I went to do WNBC from two to six in the afternoon. It was an all Ohio radio station because Imus is from Cleveland. Imus did the morning show. The guy named Big Wilson did did. Uh, so midday, I did the afternoon, and another guy, Douglas, was on at night. So, uh, so that that was sort of my goal when I really started getting into radio: go to the biggest, best radio station you can, and just keep working, working your skills. And isn't that sort of like stand-up comedy in some way? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, right. So I achieved that, and then I 
But then I worked Monday through Saturday. We all worked six days. Then I got a job to do network. I did. There's another one you could Google if you're a radio geek. It's called Monitor Radio. NBC years ago uh, created, if you, if you had an NBC affiliate and you were the owner of a radio station, they did weekend programming, Saturdays and Sundays, out of 30 Rockefeller plazas. It was what, uh, up the sixth floor or something like that. And that's where they took New York talent and they had them do four-hour radio shows. And then you could then let your guys off for the weekend and just plug in really pretty good radio from New York, see? And you'd be on the monitor beacon. So I got that job. So in some ways, pretty successful, except I'm working seven days a week. So success can become failure. So I, I was working a little too much, and I had three kids. And then things changed at WSAI in Cincinnati. After I left, not because I left, but the manager ended up getting fired, and then somebody else quit. So the new guy came in, and he called me, and he said, he said, what should I do? And they said, why don't you see if you can get Jim Scott to come back? So he called me every day for 30 days. He was sort of like wooing me, you know. I finally came back to meet him, and he was neat. And I, and I remembered how much I liked Cincinnati. And so I decided, okay. So Well, at that point, was this the, like, in all of your jobs, it, Cincinnati had already been the longest you'd stayed somewhere? Yeah, yeah, four yeah. years, yeah. And I really liked it. But then I went back to the, I never forget, I went back to the radio station. I, I, I went to Cincinnati for the weekend. Went back to the radio station, and after I got off the air, I was going to go, maybe before, because I was on two to seven. Maybe before I was going to go on the air, I went in to see the program director. And uh, that was my plan. And on the bulletin board, which that they had those then, there's, a, there's an announcement. Uh, WNBC is proud to announce we have hired Wolfman Jack, who will be on the air 7 to midnight, starting like soon. Because the guy that had been on there, I told you before, his name was Douglas. He poor guy committed suicide. But I'm telling you, Wolfman Jack was about as big as it gets. At the time, he had a he had a show in that Los voice Angeles. Man, yeah, yeah, he had a job Wolfman in Los. Yeah. He, he actually, yeah, he actually was on a Me he was on a Mexican radio station <laughs> that almost like WLW had a huge signal. Okay. And, and he had just had the movie Grease, right? Uh, American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Thank there you. There you go. And so, uh, and he had a television show. He had a national television show. And they hire him. So I thought to myself, Ooh, I am at a, an amazing radio station here. I'm going to stay and see where this thing's going. So um, I called up. The guy in Cincinnati, his name is John Bayless. God bless him. He's a great guy. I said, John, I said, I've never done this before. Like, reneged on something. I said, but I told him what's going on. I said, i got to stay here, see how this goes. So he was quite disappointed. And, okay. So then I go in. I tell my program director. I don't know why I did this, but I said, <laughs> his name was Numb, by the way. Numb. <laughs> it was his nickname. He was Numb. And I said, hey, Numb, uh, I just want to let you know, I fully intended to come in here and... Uh, and resign and go back to Cincinnati. But I said, I am really thrilled with what you're doing with me. I said, I got to stay here. And then he gave me that numb look, and it really basically told me he didn't really care. He said, yeah, okay. I mean, he, he, I knew he didn't care as much about me as I care about the radio station. No, I had a crappy feeling. And I thought, hmm. So, like you could be replaced at yeah, any time? Yeah, kind of I mean, I had a three-year contract, but, you know, you could, you could, you could 
every six months or so you could let him go. So I went home, talked to my wife, and uh, and I called John Baylor's back and said, hey, John, here's what happened. I said, don't give a crap about me. If the job's still open, I'd like it. He said, no, man, I don't know, Jim. He said, we're already talking to Charlie Tuna. I, I don't know too much, but Charlie Tuna was a big name jock out, out west. And But then he called me back and he said, well, we really want you. He said, I got to do something. Now. I got to like punish you in some ways. <laughs> we had negotiated like, you know, a certain amount of money, maybe a $5,000 raise after a year. And he said, I got to take away that raise. I said, that's fine. So then I came back. So I was very fortunate. And what things. year was that? So that was uh, 73. And, and what station did you come back to? SAI? SAI, yeah. And how long were you there? Through the change to country. Till about 78. Then I left to work on an FM station you probably never heard about. Uh, Worm. It's it was called now, uh, it was called Yes ninety five. You ever heard about that one? Yeah, it no. was WYYS ninety five. It was ninety four point nine. It's still on the dial, yeah. obviously. Uh, but that was that was a good radio station. It was rock and roll. They hired all the all the characters from uh, WKRP in Cincinnati to do TV spots to promote us. And I did the morning show. And I signed a three-year contract and uh, for a lot of money. And I did the morning show. And then toward the end of that contract, they call me and they say, we're not going to renew your contract because we're changing the format. We're going to W Light, less talk, more music. I said, that's catchy. <laughs> but, but I knew. So yeah, I did it me. More of them. Yeah. <laughs> so then I went to rain. So then... Uh, Right about that time, Randy Michaels and, and Bob Lawrence and Dave Martin had bought WLW. Well, they bought, yeah, that was it. Yeah, basically WLW. Maybe a few other radio stations. And I went to him and I said, I'm, I'm going to be gone at the end of, uh, they gave me six, I, I had it in my contract, they had to give me a warning. So I said, I'm going to be gone in January. No, they're not going to let you go. And I said, yes, they are, Randy. But anyway... When I finally, Gary Burbank had been hired, and he was the morning guy. And when January rolled around, or the end of December, they, he called me back and he said, I'd like you to do the morning show on WLW. I'd like you to come to work for WLW. I said, well, I'm only interested in the morning show. I said, he said, well, that's what we're interested in. I said, well, what about Gary Burbank? He said, Gary would be happy to go the afternoon. Yep. Because <laughs> he, he had done it before, I think, down a little while. So anyway, I said, great. So... And, and that was 1984. And if you go back and look at the ratings, WLW was like ninth in the ratings. They just sucked. But this combination really worked well. I did the mornings. Randy Michaels, uh, another guy. I should think of his name. God bless him. Did a talk show. Uh, Burbank in the afternoon. Bob Trumpy did sports talk. And uh, it just took off. Now, so. Can I clear up? An, uh, this may be uh, Cincinnati lore, but famously... You went door to door, asking oh. people. Is, oh, I did. Okay, when when, when, when first came this? to town, the the first stint, the first the four year stint. Yeah, the first. Okay, time. I still sort of do it when I've got nothing to do. <laughs> now they say it's, just get a knock on people. He should do that for the you're, podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on the Cincy Shirts podcast this week. Here's here's how. Yeah, you're exactly. When it. I first got to town, I mean nobody knew me. I do have a speech uh, that I that I speech. Uh, I got a talk that I created after I retired. And it was entitled, How I Built My Audience One Person at a Time. Because that's really what you do. 
And so I come to town. Nobody knows me in 1968. Stan Matlock, God bless him, he's died. He was the morning guy on 55 KRC. He had 50% of the audience. 50. 50%. That's insane. I remember I was in Buffalo. The guy said, oh, you don't want to go to Cincinnati. Stan Matlock's there. He's got 50%. I said, that sounds like a good reason to go. I'd go get some of his audience. So I went, yeah, there was no promotion budget. So I went, I would get off the air and I went door to door. I bought, used to be the postal service had these little three-wheeled vehicles where they delivered the mail. So I bought one of those. And I painted it red, white, and blue and put 1360 on it. And I can remember driving at an I-75 about 50 miles an hour. So it's amazing I'm here. With, so I would go. Did you sell so, ice cream out of it? Or? No, no. I, yeah. So I would I would literally go to door to door. Now, in 1968, you could go door to door and people would be home. It was a, I mean, it was a different kind. Of, you know, it was, I mean, there was a husband and a wife and a couple of kids in school and the wife is at home. You know, and, and so there's somebody there. And then I would do the whole street, and I'd, I'd meet everybody, and I'd say, tomorrow morning, please listen to me on 1360 WSAI, and uh, I'll talk about being here. And, I'll, and, and I would give them little trinkets, a little, looks like a little flower as a keychain, or sometimes, one time I gave deodorant, and I thought, this is not a good idea. Promo. <laughs> yeah, we were samples. So I did that, and I, and I did that uh, for a couple of years. And so I met people. Now, if you meet, if, if you go knock on somebody's door and, it, and, and then you get to know them, they have never, most likely ever met anybody that was on the radio. So now we know each other and radio is a very intimate medium, but now we've met. And then next day I talk about being on, you know, Mayhew Drive in Delhi and I talk about it. And, uh, and then in addition to that, the most successful thing I did was I remember when they used to have the signs out front of uh, IGAs and stuff where you you can move the letters and bananas, 19 cents a pound. Yeah. You still see them around. Yeah. Back then, all the businesses had them. So I would go up and I'd, I'd say, Mr. Sneed, uh, I see that where you sell T-shirts. I said, you've got a sign out front. If you would put on your sign, 1360 WSAI's Jim Scott was here, <laughs> I will give you a free commercial on the radio and he said what else do i have to do i said no just leave it up put it up next monday and leave it up for a week okay so then i would work my way maybe down montgomery road <laughs> you know and i would get and i had great success getting people to say okay so first of all i met the business owner i met the people that work there and then he agrees to do it and then the next week you get in your car and you're on your way to work and all of a sudden there are signs everywhere you know, WSAS Jim Scott was here. Who's he? And, and it's got the frequency. So they turned. And I did that for a couple of years. And I knew I, I knew it was working when it's, I don't think it exists anymore, but there used to be. In fact, Donald Trump, his dad, sent him to Cincinnati to start and work on uh, the shopping plaza. What was it called there? Um, I can't think of the name. It, but it was one of the first shopping centers that existed around here. Uh, I'll think of it. Anyway, they had a huge sign, and they put up WSA or yeah, WSAI's Jim Scott hasn't been here yet. Oh, wow. so you knew it was working then. So then that's I went hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same thing did you? Uh, you did to get free golf. On the <laughs> I would call golf courses yeah. and I'd say, "Hey, I'm the comedian. I'm playing at this club. Yeah, and uh, if you let me come play golf for free." I'll mention your course when I'm on the radio tomorrow. Oh, and it always sure. works. I'm sure it would. Yeah, <laughs> do you still do it? 
No. So how do you get invited to Marty Brenneman's deal out there at Belterra? It's a pretty expensive <laughs> golf course. That's a that's a story for another. Okay. Episode. Yeah. Wow. Well, we've really talked for a long time, but um, but that's how I did that, and I just went everywhere, you know. And it, my kids must have were irritated. We we go to a, we go to a Wendy's <laughs> restaurant or something, and while we're with, I would go around and I meet everybody. I still do that. I still do that. So it's astounding, Josh and Darren, and P.F., that I have met so many people. I, I, that was 1968. I was on the radio over 50 years here. So the odds are... But you were at a big station before you came here. Like, I know when, you know, like when you get introduced at the Reds golf outing, yeah. you know, they talk about all the people that you've interviewed yeah. while you were here. What, who was, like, the first giant name that you were able to interview on the radio was that all prior to being at 700 like when you were no, in it might have been on one of the things i remember uh uh i remember being with him now let me think uh cats in the cradle remember that song oh um yeah uh he died in the car wreck um, yeah he died um uh chapin harry, harry chapin. chapin harry chapin yeah harry chapin came to town for a concert i think probably over at uc and i came in in the afternoon to meet him because Comedians don't get up early in the morning, you know that. And, I and, certainly and, do. Yeah, and, and, and musicians, you know. And I can remember being at WSAI and overlooking the city and meeting him. And uh, I mean, that, that was one of the early on ones I could remember. But but I would meet lots of musicians because I would go to, oh, back then they had record hops. And they had, up at Swordsville, they had live, they had uh, where teenagers would go dancing. And so the, all the bands, I'd meet all the bands. And I would just go everywhere. I just I would go anywhere where there's an audience, you know? And, and, and I, early on, oh, you guys know about the March of Dimes walk that you, you hear about oh, people? Yeah. yeah, well, I was part of the group that started that, like in 1971. And I walked in it for 25 years. And it was, in the beginning, it was a 25-mile walk. Now, you know, a marathon is 26.2 miles. Now everything is 5K. It was 25 miles, and it mainly mainly was young people. It mainly was teenagers, and especially girls from the Catholic schools, and they all walked to raise money for the March of Dimes. And uh, so, and I met everybody. I met everybody, you know. And, and so I just did everything I could possibly do. Wow. What was your most uh, memorable interview? Well, that's a, that's a hard one. Uh, I mean, the most I, famous, or maybe one that didn't go so well. well that, uh, multiple presidents, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, w- when the when the presidents would come to town, I would be the person that would invariably be the MC if they were going to speak someplace. You know, Reagan, H uh, W. Bush. I never met uh, Bill Clinton. I would have liked to have met him, but I did those. Uh, Jimmy Carter, I interviewed. Dozens. I mean, he's a writer. He's always writing books. And so he would call the radio station, his publicist, and say, would you like to interview me? I said, sure, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I did call uh, Cl- uh, the vice president. That, Gore? Uh, Gore. Yeah. Al. I did call him, and I slipped up when I was talking to him. And I said, Al. And uh, Scott Stanley. Oh, yeah, Scott yeah. Stanley at WIW, so talented. His brother was my neighbor at Bowling Green. Really? Yep. Well, Scott Stanley took part of that interview, 
And then he took the Paul Simon song, You Can Call Me Al, and just <laughs> just made so much fun of me saying, hey, Al? <laughs> Al? He calls the vice president Al, does he? Um, <laughs> so you didn't get his name wrong, you just didn't, you didn't deliver it. Which is, perhaps I was a little too... He's not chummy. the Queen of England or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. One he of my favorite interviews it. for the longest time was Maya Angelou. And uh, she was really hot, and her, her books of poetry were just coming out. And I and at the time she was a professor down there in Carolina someplace, and I, I talked to her live at six fifteen in the morning, and I got her to actually read and then actually sort of sing some of her poetry. I thought that was cool. Wow. I got her to do wow, that. That's a big. I mean, I mean and uh, uh, yeah, and she was so gracious, and, and it was really cool. So I really enjoyed that. Well, yeah, it's obviously. Like when you sat down with us and you started asking us questions, like it just is it is it you just did it for so long that you can't help but want to interview people when when you're talking to them in any capacity? Well, I I really I really did grow up with a dad, Jim, and he was just the gentlest man, and he was so friendly, and never, from a financial standpoint, never very successful as a salesman or insurance man. But he always made people feel good. And he, and he, and he ingrained in me that everybody deserves recognition. And, and so that I've always still, and it's, it's true. And so I try to live that. And so I look around and you, you don't have to look very far to see somebody that would really like somebody to say hello to him. And then if you happen to be me and, and, and they may know who I am, so, and even if they don't, I, I'm good at talking. And so I will go spend time talking to them. So, I mean, it, it, it happened. I, it's, it's astounding. I mean, everywhere I go, I go to the doctor's office yesterday. These two ladies are looking up and saying, it's Jim Scott. So they start talking to me, and then they want a selfie, and, and so we're doing that. And then I leave, and I'm walking across Fountain Square, and... There's a woman, and she, you know, they, like she points at me, <laughs> and I'm saying, "Hey!" And then I find out who she is, and uh, and their name is Williams. Uh, I think her first name is second. Anyway, I had met her before, and then and then uh, she was with uh, a guy named Brinkley. I'm pretty good at names, and so uh, so I, I spent time talking with them. I'll tell you one thing though that's really changed, and. Maybe this would be a good way to, to wrap this up. So all those years of talking to people, and of course, like we're doing here, I mean, I've got you, but you're on the air, and there's nobody there that you can see, but, you know, you, the, the microphone just connects you. Uh, so so I retired four years ago, and about a year or so ago, maybe two, I'm sitting early in the morning, and I'm thinking, so who's my audience now? Because I knew who my audience always was, and that was everybody. Absolutely, as far as I was concerned, if you were breathing, I wanted to get you to listen to me on the radio, and I wanted to connect with you, and so I did that with everybody. Uh, and I mean, if I would go make a speech someplace, I wouldn't eat. I would go around and meet everybody in the room, and then when I finally got on the microphone, I could relate to. And I would remember names and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I've always done that. So now I'm not on the radio. So who is my audience? It hasn't changed. My audience now is everybody. But now my role is to listen. So I'll get them started. But I'm not 
do it on the radio where I used to give information and stuff like that. Now I get them to talk and I listen. So the, And people need to, someone to listen to them. You're right. You're absolutely that's right. What, and that's what I do. And it's joyful. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I have... I stopped at Frisch's yesterday, and I had breakfast, and this woman comes over, and, uh, and, and she takes my order, and then I said, how are you doing today? She said, I'm tired. Yeah, I said, oh, yeah. So then I said, what time did you get up? She said, well, yesterday I worked a double shift. I said, ooh. So I said, how long is that? She said, well, I started at 5.30, and I, I was working until 10.30 at night. So when she came back with the food, I said, this is this is a new Frisch's downtown, you know, near Fountain Square. On, yeah. on, uh, <clears throat> right in the Crew Tower, isn't it? That one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I said, so what's it like at this Frisch's on a Sunday night at 1030? And she said, no, 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 I wasn't here. I was at Hooligans. I said, well, the name tells me all I need to know about what it yeah. was like at 1030, <laughs> you know? And so she's got two jobs. So, uh, and then she leaves. And then all of a sudden, uh, I realized she didn't leave, uh, you know, the utensils wrapped up in, you know, and I started to find her. I said, I need a fork and a spoon. And so she's, oh, I'm sorry. She said, I am tired. So my bill was $10. So then I went and I found her and I, and I, I paid my bill and then I found her and I gave her $10. And I said, you know, I, and this is true. I said, my mom, when I grew up, my mom was a waitress. And, and then she worked in, in a hotel as a banquet waitress. And she, I know how hard she worked. So, uh, so here's an extra good tip for you. I said, do you have any children? She said, six. What? So that's how you can connect. And it's not, hey, I'm Jim Scott from the radio. It's just I'm this guy early in the morning, you know, giving her a nice tip and paying attention to her. And then uh, and then you move on and look for the next one. And yeah. They're everywhere, Josh. It's so funny you say that because I, I notice that in such small doses, like – you know, getting on an airplane, I've I try to make an effort when the person, like the the um, flight attendant, is standing yeah. there and they say, "Welcome aboard," or yeah. you know, "Good morning" or something. And I I notice people just constantly just you know, "Hi," whatever. And if they're like, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Good. How are you?" And they're like, yep. "Like you can see people pause when they're like, man, nobody yeah. ever me? asks me how I'm doing." The other day we had a young guy. Uh, I live on a farm. And we had some real serious lifting of gravel. We fixed in some drainage. So I asked around and, and, and found this guy who's a senior in high school, and he came over. I won't mention his name here, but he was delightful. Now, I had th I raised three boys, so all of a sudden I felt like I'm back with one of my boys here working. It was just great. And he was a hardworking guy. And then we, we, we had a couple probably had to try to figure out how to how to negotiate this wheelbarrow or this gator and dump the gravel. And he said, well, you know, why don't, why don't we could do this? And then we, and two things in a row that he really looked at the situation and came up. And I said, boy, I said, you're really smart. And then he said something that almost made me cry. He said, he said, no one's ever told me that before. This kid's 17 or 18 years of age. That's you amazing. Know? And, um, and so then I made sure before the day was over that I found another way to tell him he's smart. Um, so, I mean, people need uh, attention. They need strokes, and they need... Uh, and it's not hard. No. It just it just takes a yeah. minute to... Yeah. yeah. You just have to... 
you know, so I think it's a gift. Long time, I, I don't write much poetry, but when I was in New York, I did. But one of them, and, and it doesn't rhyme necessarily, but it basically is everyone's got a gift. And uh, we all have different gifts. And figure out what yours is and then use it. Because if you don't use it, it's sort of like a, a cancer inside of it. You know, it, it's supposed to be used. And so figure out what you got. And I know one of my gifts is really being able to connect with people, making them feel good, pay, asking questions that where I can say, tell me about you. And it's like, me? Say, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and it's fascinating. And just pay attention to people. So, yeah, I know you're good at it. And it comes out in your, uh, it comes out in your show. Some of the things only come from observation. But the same thing for these two fellows, you know, Pia, Darren, I could tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's why we work so well this long as, you know, as business partners, as we, we know our strengths and we complement each other. And, and, uh, it's never about, you know, who gets the credit as long as the, Mm -hmm people like what we do as a team like that's what is important to us and i think that's served us well to have that mentality like sarah out front now i called i knew it was running a few minutes late so i called and uh asked her name said sarah so when i came in i said are you sarah and she's gonna say oh yeah i talked to you so it, it's a recognition of, of of sarah and also that thing about calling it's it's a little deal but i remember when i, when I this would be I think it was tied into a radio job where I didn't have a car back then. So I was, this is when I was in high school. So I took a bus to get to this radio station I wanted to interview. And I realized I was running late. So I uh, did not pull out my Apple phone. You know. So I, I went someplace and put in a whatever it was and made the phone call and told him I was around a few minutes late. And when I got there, I remember the guy said, he said, I really appreciate that. And I, and I, I knew it was the right thing to do, I guess, instinctively, but then to have it reinforced, yeah, you know, just being considerate of other people's time and you do stuff like that. And, and, uh, this is why they call me good to two shoes, but it's, uh, <laughs> I like so it. the one thing we have to, uh, this good are we going to do a commercial? No. Yeah, okay. I mean, for the for the listening audience, I want you to know all three of these guys either have to go to the bathroom or at the same, or they all oh. turned and they said we have to. Uh, you noticed Josh's hat. I did. Yeah. Yes. So you, you're not going to escape without telling us about the Cincinnati Comets. Oh, you know about the Cincinnati Comets? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. So for those listening, you know we have a huge FC Cincinnati fan base, especially here yeah. in Cincy shirts. And, uh, and, and people know that there's, there's been, uh, other soccer teams, um, you know, and and people talk about getting, you know, jumping on the FC bandwagon for soccer in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. We have with us one of the pioneers of of the first guy on the wagon, literally in Cincinnati. Maybe the the driver (laughs) of the wagon for ultimately, yes, professional soccer in Cincinnati. Huh. Well, that's more of a compliment than I deserve. I'll tell you the story, though. The first guy in the wagon was, he's, he's passed. He was a doctor. His name was Dr. Nick Capurro. And I'm not sure that Nick wasn't born in Italy. I think he played professional soccer there. Uh, and uh, he was... Uh, he had A the, doctor and a professional soccer player? <laughs> well, well probably not in that order. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, and I think he was a Claremont County coroner. And actually, he ended up uh, getting in some trouble when when his life ended. But uh, but anyway, uh, he had 
a team, and it was called the Cincinnati Comets. And a fellow who also, boy, you know, you get older people die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- there's a woman in town. Her name is Leslie Spencer, and she is a very well-known uh, athlete uh, and uh, has been involved in in sports all her life. Uh, she's great. I haven't seen her for a long time. Her dad, George Spencer, worked for the Cincinnati Recreation Commission. George is a great basketball player, All-American at, uh, what's the school in St. Louis, uh, Washington? Washington University. Washington, Washington yeah. University, yeah. And then he went and into uh, the pros. He played with the Bullets for a while. Uh, and back then, WSAI had a basketball team. We played two or three times a week. When, when was this? That was in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Okay. Uh, into the 70s. Yeah, we had Bob Wiesenhahn. You know that name? Bob Wiesenhahn was... Oh, Bob Wiesenhahn still lives in this area. He was one of the captain. I think he was one of the captains of the 1961-62 national champion uh, Bearcats. Oh, nice. Great basketball player. Uh, great guy. So we put together a team of uh, All-Americans. And so when we went out and played basketball two or three times a week, we played the faculty of a high school, and uh, uh, we always won. And, and I was a pretty good basketball You're player. You're like the local Globetrotters? Uh, let's see. Cincinnati Suds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we, it was fun. It was fun. And there's plenty of, plenty of adults now that remember when the WSAI basketball team came to their school. So, uh, so that was my connection with George because George was on the team. George is really the one that went out and found all the really good ball players to play with us. So he came to me one time. He said, I wonder if you would go to lunch with, with me and my friend, Dr. Nick Capurro. He's got the soccer team, and uh, he really maybe needs some marketing advice or a little help. And so I said, sure. We ended up going to the Masonette for lunch, pretty high-end place. Yeah. And so the three of us. And by the time we were through, I was impressed enough with Dr. Capurro and his passion, and I really liked George. And, uh, and I like soccer. My kids were playing soccer. And we knew that there was a huge soccer, even back then. Uh, this is, uh, you know, early 70s. Uh, huge, thousands of kids playing soccer, but the parents didn't know anything about it. So I remember, I don't know where, I, I, guess, I, I guess I had a few bucks. Anyway, I gave him, <laughs> him $10,000. That's a lot of money, uh, especially back then. But uh, I gave him ten thousand dollars, and and I sort of remember it basically was like an advance or a loan. I mean, you know, I I, I sort of expected to get it back, but uh, that this would help with some of the costs they had. You know, uh, didn't have a big staff. Had a guy named John Paris as the general manager. We had a team, and Dr. Caprillo didn't take a salary, and uh, and so I started promoting it. And then before you know it. Uh, we needed more money, and so uh, we, we sort of set up a little corporation or whatever. I, yeah, we had a corporation. And then all of a sudden, I'm the president. And so then I tried to get some other people to help give a little bit of money. Uh, I remember sitting at the dinner table with a yellow legal pad. If you ever find yourself, do this, Josh. Get up and leave. And you write down, <laughs> if I get a 1,000 people at $1,000, how much is that? A million dollars. Yes, a million dollars. So how could I do this? I never did get that many, but we got some, you know, friends. I knew a doctor, some people from the Gold Star Chile uh, early on. They got involved. And so we had some small investors, but I was the big money. 
And then I became the president. And it, and we were part of the American Soccer League, which probably still exists. Nope. But, but it doesn't? Oh, no. Well, you know more about it than I do. No, we went out of business in the mid-'80s, Did right it? after the North American Soccer League went under. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's right. I, I, was, I was around. I was involved with the team of the North American Soccer League with Pele and New York and whatever. Uh, so anyway, uh, we had a good team. And, uh, and then I would go to these owners' meetings. And then well, they didn't have a commissioner. So guess who convinced them they should have a commissioner? Me. <laughs> and and I, we hired Bob Cousy. Does that oh, name, yeah. mean anything yeah. to you? Yeah. Where I grew up in upstate New York, Cousy was God. I mean, you know, like if you're on the, if in the basketball court you make a quick move, it's called yeah. making a koozie. He wasn't that popular around here because I think he ended up being the general manager of the Royals, and and I I don't know exactly what he did. Uh, but he he traded uh, the Oscar, big O, I think. I, I think I didn't want to say that out loud, but I think he might have traded I think that's Oscar what, Robertson. Yeah, got people mad at him. Uh, uh, do you blame him? Yeah. But anyway, but Bob Cousy was cool, and so then uh, and we spent more money and we played at. Uh, I went to what was then called Trector Stadium, which is where Cincinnati State College is. And we went over there and played. And I think we were there for a couple of years. And uh, anyway, uh, and but it turned out to be a big hole. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I, I did I did TV commercials and I went around promoted as much as I could. And, um, but we, we just couldn't make it. So uh, I borrowed money on my house. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, just to put things in perspective, I ended up losing, I remember what it was, it was $90,000, and and I lost all the equity in my home. So when I sold my home and moved to Indiana, I, I, all the money I paid off a loan that I had with the bank. So I didn't owe anybody anything, but it, it, it <laughs> so, so that that's what it was. Uh, no, we brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not it, it, but we were ahead of our times. I'll tell yeah. you one thing. I almost got lucky, though. I had a meeting. I went to, I'll never forget this. You know the name Lamar Hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, my best friend, I'm not going to mention him in this, but he's an attorney. He and I went to Indianapolis to the airport and met Lamar Hunt because Lamar Hunt had a couple principals in Michigan that wanted to get into the NASL. Uh, see, Lamar Hunt started started the, the professional soccer stuff. Uh, yep. Uh, and uh, the tournament's were, named after him. The, right, yeah, the, right, yeah, the right, Hunt Open right, Cup. right. So I met him. Never forget meeting him. You know, all black suit with long trench coat, and it was sort of like strange. But he was very pleasant, and we met him. And uh, and this these two guys in Michigan wanted an NASL franchise, and so we were talking about them taking over the Cincinnati Comets, and then. Uh, and it would have been great. They would have taken care of any debts that we have. And we, there would have been some ownership for us in stock. And we would have brought North American Soccer League to Cincinnati. And because uh, they, they weren't going to take it to Michigan. They were going to do it here. And then uh, I, I remember it was right around Thanksgiving time because I remember being at my, my his name is Jack, my best friend. And I was at his office. He's an attorney. And we get this phone call. We were waiting for this phone call from these guys. And they to, to consummate the deal. So we had it all set up. And uh, and then they there were some clouds on the economic horizon. And they decided that they felt the economy was in for a downturn. And this was not a good time for them to invest. And so, so oh, okay. 
So that fell flat. And when that fell flat, uh, that even reinforced to me, because this was after soccer season, it reinforced to me, I can't do this anymore. So then we quit. That's it. I'm glad I did it. I'm, I'm glad I did it when I was young. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. I mean, uh, that was a lot of money. I mean, you know, I don't think I made that much in a year, but uh, back then, I don't know, I can't remember. But uh, but I was able to pay off my, I just lost the money. So uh, So what do you enjoy now? Like what, what do you enjoy now that you don't, it sounds like you're still waking up early, even though you don't have to. Is that just because oh, yeah, you did I, it for yeah, so I, long? I get up around 5 o'clock, 5.30. I have a cat. No alarm clock. Cat wakes me up. You know, it's cool. I, I like the silence of the morning. And, and uh, so, well, this morning I got up at 4 o'clock to watch the basketball You know why I like the silence of the morning? Because it doesn't wake me up. It yeah. lets me keep sleeping. So you like? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I'm the opposite. I'm, yeah. I'm the night owl. Yeah. So I like yeah, the silence at night when the no. rest of my no. house is asleep. That's when I have, you know, the time to watch TV by myself or yeah. whatever. But it's it's just the opposite of you, so I get it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still quite... Every two weeks, I go to the radio station and I record commercials. I mean, if you go into a Kroger store, you'll hear my voice. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I do commercials for about 10 clients. Kroger, the airport, CBG. Yeah, the right spots here. Teasdale family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't afford it. Grip, right? Grippo potato chips. Yeah. And uh, Grippos, if you're listening, we, we are dying to make... Grippo's apparel for you. Oh, I could help you with the contact with it. Maybe I could help you out. It's it's their one hundredth yeah. year. I know. Uh, yeah. Well, you should have seen. We him made it. We've already mocked up a bunch of stuff. You should have seen him in the parade. I did see him. In the oh parade, man, it looked great. It did. It really did. I have, they do amazing. Their products are amazing. I have done commercials, and I still do it today for Grippo potato chips for fifty years. It's amazing. I know. It was my it was my first client. It was. And it was my first first company that said, we'd like you to do commercials for us and just, you know, act. I, I said, okay, and I make them up. I mean, I always made up my commercials. I mean, I work from, you know, like you do. You don't read a script. Uh, just, you know the product. I still do it. And I don't charge them anything for it. I mean, why would I? It, it, it's Grippos. I mean, you know, it, they helped me get established. And so uh, I think that's so cool. It's fun. All right. So um, are you on social media? Can people keep up with you? I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I got really involved in Facebook the last couple of years to help me promote Salvation Army because I'm the I'm the lead volunteer on the Red Kettle campaign. Yeah. And so boy, I spent a lot of time on that. But I really like they're the Salvation so Army. But they're, they're the best people. They are. They their Their motto is do the most good. Yeah, that's good with me. Yeah. So I love doing that, and I'm involved with the United Way. I have been for 50 years. I think I'm coming to the end of being involved. Them, in. uh, my board. I've been on the board of directors for a long time, and that's coming up. And so I'll be going off that. But I just get involved in a lot of stuff in the community. I still do commercial stuff. But people can add you as a friend on Facebook. Yeah, well, I was going to say I, I really ramped up, and I I took everybody in this, you know. I was very open about friends, <laughs> uh, but and everything's fine. I love I love them all. I like them. Uh, there's once in a while I get some real jerk on there with some real over the over the edge political stuff, and then he or she doesn't even know. I just he's unfriend him. Yeah, block, man. but block here's a, here's a tip. I am I almost was going crazy on it. I've, I've got like you a nice uh, new smartphone, and I had it tied in with my uh, email, which was then tied in with. Uh, Facebook. And so every time somebody 
either wanted to be my friend or they wanted to post something. It's popping up and my, my phone is getting full of this. And so then I figured out how to turn change off the, the notification. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know. I was ready to throw it in the river. So now, and then I, I just sort of quit. I sort of quit doing uh, new friends. And, okay. You know? So no new friends. Yeah. But, you know. Give me a try. I mean, Jim Scott I, is full. I mean, no, that the president said that. How can you say a pr the country's full? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't even get. I'll yeah. get into that's that. A, that's episode yeah. two, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last thing we ask is for our guests to give us a word. It can be any word you want, and people will use that word as a coupon until our next episode oh, really? comes out. Yeah. Oh. So. Just one word, huh? Could be a couple words. Okay. Coomer. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, well, oh, oh! What was that one? Uh, Redbird. Redbird. Sure. Did yeah. I get it? I, I think I got it wrong. I'm close. Red. What? Well, it was that famous movie, and it was about. Is it murder? How do you spell? Red rum. Oh, I got it wrong. Red rum. Murder spelled backwards. Yeah. Well, remember the movie, the the, the famous. Yeah, it's uh, the uh, Shining. No, no, not no, the, no. Well, you know, you're see, I'm getting things mixed up. This happens. Um, just one word. Jeez. Okay. Or a couple words. It could be a couple words. Anti-disestablishment. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know where that one came from? Yeah. You know where that one came from? Anti-disestablishmentarianism. It's the longest word in the dictionary. Well, when I was a little kid, there was a, a TV show. You've heard the expression. It's a $64,000 question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the word. It was a young black girl spelled it, and she won $64,000. And all of a sudden, anti-disestablishmentarianism became part of our lexicon. Yeah. But that's, that. how about, okay, for all the times I made fun of them, here's the word, Norwood. <laughs> okay, there you go. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, no, we, have, we love Norwood. I did a blog post about Norwood a couple weeks ago. I grew up in St. Bernard, which is Norwood, Norwood near. Yeah. <laughs> Norwood. All right. Norwood. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, Making perfect. peace after yeah. all these years. <laughs> all right, so type in Norwood, and you will save 20% on your order until our next episode comes out. And you can also mention Norwood in either of our stores, uh, downtown and over the Rhine, Loveland, or Hyde Park, and you'll get the discount there as well. Yep. So um, I... I Zero think, hyperbole. I cannot. Oh, I enjoyed been, this. This was neat. I like you, and I, I've learned more about you being with you here. I don't think we've ever met before. I said the one time, probably sports or consequences. You oh, okay, just, yeah, that's right. With, yeah, with Gary Burbank. And passing, God bless Gary. Boy, a lot of people ask me about Gary Burbank on a regular basis. He, he was so unique. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's all, yeah. also very kind to yeah. me, which is just yeah. You know, growing up here, it's 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 surreal to say the least. To to call you guys friends. So well, I appreciate tell you what, that. When, when I went to WLW, he moved from the mornings to the afternoons. And, and in, in hindsight, I really realized after a while that he was very comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. But there was one part, though. that There was a guy, Bill, I can't remember his last name. He was the afternoon guy, and he lost his job. Ooh. And Burbank, that was a thing Burbank didn't like. So somehow or other, he figured out a way to help him still work at the radio station for a while. But I was always very tried to be really sensitive to Gary and uh, uh, and just go out of my way to be really kind to him, except I did one thing. Let's leave it with this one. This is so funny. Okay. Our radio station was in uh, downtown Cincinnati then. WLW was at 3 East 4th Street. So 
and that's where the studios were. So I'm doing the morning show, Gary's doing the afternoon show. And we all sit in the same studio, all sit in the same chair. So I go in, and I would go in there in the morning, and there would be this pillow. <laughs> and I mean, just all beat up. Uh, did you did you know him when it was down there, or was it? I started work from in '96 when oh, okay. when they're no, on okay. Frog no. So anyway, and so I would the, the pillow. I mean, it was like you know, it looked like mice lived in it. I mean, and so I would take it and I would toss it in the corner, and then next day I'd be there again. And finally, uh, I guess Doc Wolf was his sidekick. Mm-hmm. Doc Wolf came to me one day and he said, "He said, are you the person that's uh, throwing Gary's pillow in the corner?" And I said, is that Gary's pillow? And he said, yeah. And he's Gary's really getting pissed off that he comes in and his pillow's... What? I said, I don't know what to say, except, yes, I'm the one, but I, I think I'm still going to do it. But I might go out and buy him a new pillow. I mean, you know, that was... So I think Gary really still probably resents me. So, anyway, Norwood. That's the word. All right. Norwood. Or 45212. You get stuck. <laughs> Jim Scott, and that guy's what we call the real deal, let me tell you. There are a lot of phonies in the broadcasting business. Jim Scott is not one of them. If you haven't already, why don't you go back and plug to the Cincy Shirts podcast archives for me. You can find all kinds of great interviews back there. We had Matt Bischoff from Survivor, Gold Star CEO Roger David, Bill Donabedian, the guy that booked Bunbury, he was on, Greg Hamilton from WWE, our friend John Keyswetter talking about television, Amy Asbeck, the actress, uh, talking about being in the movies Robin Hood, Men in Tights, the TV show Wings, uh, her late husband John Ritter, uh, all kinds of great episodes back there. Do check them out. If there's somebody you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, info at cincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line. We'll try to track down that guest for you. And be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Philadelphia, as well as Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, and tons of other cities at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of defunct sports teams there, old shopping centers, old restaurants. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this week's episode is... Norwood. That's right. Use Norwood to take 20% off your next CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can walk in one of our stores in Cincinnati, over the Rhine, Hyde Park, or Loveland, and just say Norwood, or say you'd like to use the code Norwood, and take 20% off your order right there. How about that? Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Again, tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.
I said goodbye